Go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. This morning we're looking at our third value, which is gospel community. We're going to be uh, going through, or we're currently going through a six-week series. We have this today and then the following two Sundays. Um, this series is on our purpose and values. First week, we looked at our purpose statement, which is preaching and practicing the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, next, we looked at our first value, which is gospel centrality. And then last week, we looked at our second value, which is gospel intentionality. And today, we come to gospel community. And if you're new here, um, this is uh, out of the ordinary for us. It's unusual for us to preach through series like these. We usually work verse by verse through uh, books of the Bible. Currently, we're working through the gospel of Matthew. But we feel like this is important for us at this time um, for us as a church. The elders have worked for the past year um, writing and refining our values, and we want to focus on those together to emphasize and teach on who we are and what we value as a church body. And so that's um, where we're at. This week is Gospel Community, and you're going to see it up on the screen as well as on the back of your um, bulletin that you were given. But let me read it for us. Gospel Community is this. Jesus told His disciples in John 13.35, By this, all people will know that you are My disciples if you have love for one another. As people deeply loved by God and adopted into His family... We commit ourselves to engaging with one another with purposeful love that reflects the costly, sacrificial love that God showed us when Jesus died for our sins. We do so by joyfully serving one another, sharing our resources with one another as needs arise, actively using our spiritual gifts for the building up of the body, showing hospitality to one another as well as to those outside the church, and ultimately choosing to have the same humility of mind as Christ, as described in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, considering others better than ourselves. I want to, as we're uh, getting started in this, I want to point something out before we get to today's text. Last week, we looked at 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. We talked about gospel intentionality, and I want to read that for you again. 1 Peter 2, 9 says this, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I want us to notice something there. This is a community text. It doesn't say you are a chosen individual, a royal single, a holy being, a person for his own possession. Right? It is corporate. This is community language. You all, you have been made into a body, a community. We're a body. God saved us and made us that. He had saved us into community. And I want us to understand something as we go through these values, each of them. We are called and created to reflect the nature of of God in every single one of our values. I hope we see that. Each of our values is a value because of who God is and what God is like. And that's the case for gospel community. 
In Genesis 1, verses 26 and 27, the creation account, it says this, Then God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, what do we see there that has to do with our value of gospel community? First, we know from the context of the creation account that God saw that it was not good for man to be alone. And so what we see in these verses is he made woman. He made community, not individual. But far more importantly than that, he made that community as a reflection of himself. Because how does it begin? Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. God is persons in community. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And His creation reflects that. But not only that, His creation or His recreation reflects that. He creates us to be a part of community and then He recreates us into community. When God redeems us, He does so in community. Yes, you're saved as an individual, but into a community. You are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. God's divine purpose in the church is to make persons in community, gospel community. And the church, no matter what our background was, gives us a new community and new identity, and it is glorious. We are that. We are a chosen race, a community of the redeemed, the body of Christ. And so what does that look like, or what should it look like? Certainly we learned last week from 1 Peter that it should look like a body proclaiming the excellencies of him who called them out of darkness into his marvelous light. But there are other things that we see in Scripture, and we're going to look together at Romans chapter 12. The text will be Romans 12, verses 3 through 21. Before we read it together, I want to read you a quote from the book Everyday Church, and I love this. The Christian community demonstrates the effectiveness of the gospel. We are the living proof that the gospel is not an empty word, but a powerful word that takes men and women who were lovers of self and transforms them by grace through the Spirit into people who love God and others. We are the living proof that the death of Jesus was not just a vain expression of God's love, but an effective death that achieved the salvation of a people who now love one another sincerely from a pure heart. That's glorious. That's the hope for us as a church because of the grace of Jesus Christ and the goal of gospel community. So let's stand together, follow along as I read Romans chapter 12, beginning with verse 3 and going all the way through verse 21. 
For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ, and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them, if prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Let love be genuine. Abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Love one another with brotherly affection. Outdo one another in showing honor. Do not be slothful in zeal. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Never be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourself, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by, doing, for by so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Let's pray. Father, even as we look at the words that you've given to us here in the letter to the Romans, we're humbled. The idea of gospel community is humbling because it is absolutely impossible for us without your help. We need you. And we praise you that you have started it all and worked it all into being by creating us into a community. You saved us into community, Lord. We trust you in that. We praise you for that. We ask that, God, as we, we look at these verses and this passage together, Lord, that you'd help us to be people who desire gospel community as you desire it. We pray that you'd help us to love each other as you've called us to. We pray in Christ's name. Amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Well, the ESV study Bible labels this section marks of the Christian community. These are things that should and do characterize gospel community. In verse 3, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. I want to say here, if you know me, most of you do, this is a lot of verses for us to tackle in one sermon. We're going to be here a long time. <laughs> no, we're going to approach this through the lens of gospel community. So we can't tear everything apart. We can't look at everything but we're looking at it in light of what it tells us about gospel community. 
But from the beginning, it tells us in verse 3 that God grants faith. He apportions faith. Know that. That truth embraced, that it is God who apportions faith, will do wonders for how you view others and yourself. It will do wonders for how you look at the rest of the body of Christ. If we see what the Scriptures tell us about God apportioning faith, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned, it's crystal clear. God has assigned the faith. He's apportioned it differently, and He's so good in doing it. Paul says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. This understanding of God's sovereignty in these things will keep us humble, will keep us from being haughty. It will help us to think with sober judgment. He writes to the Philippians similarly, Have this mind among yourselves which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. By taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He says here in Romans, according to the measure of faith that God assigned, you might have more faith or less faith than those around you. Thank God. Praise him for that whatever it is, and then steward it. Be responsible for that faith. Whatever amount it is that he's entrusted to you, steward that. God gave you the amount of faith that you need and what is best for the body, for the community that he's assembled together, the body he's placed you in. So steward that faith and the gift or gifts that he's entrusted to you through it. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function. So we, though many, are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Whatever it is that he has entrusted to you, steward that. Whatever amount of faith he has given to you, steward that faith. And remember, Jesus said it takes the faith of a mustard seed to say to this mountain, be gone and moved into the sea. So steward whatever faith he's given to you, entrusted to you, steward that faith and use the gifts that he's given in light of that. We are one body, many members. We are members, he says, of one another. You think about that for a minute. God made made each of us members of one another. He's sovereign. You're here on purpose. We're not meant to be little faith islands. We're meant to be a holy nation, a people for his own possession, a body together 
working, serving, and functioning together. We're meant to be that. You look at verses 6 through 8, God uses varying gifts and faith to accomplish His purpose in and through the church. We look more like Jesus when we function as He's called us and equipped us to function. When we do what He's entrusted us to do. He sovereignly chooses that for His glory. We need each other. You need the rest of the body. You look at 1 Corinthians 12, we're not going to get into it, but you look at 1 Corinthians 12 and how Paul paints a picture of the physical body. We have arms and legs and, and different parts of the body, and, and, and the, the members of the church represent that. You might be a finger, you might be a toe, you might be an arm. You might be one of the, but you're needed. You're needed. It hurts to lose any part of your body. You don't function properly without every part of your body. We need each other. And so, we get to verses 9 and following, which give us such a beautiful picture of what gospel community should and could look like. Verse 9, let love be genuine. Let love be genuine. The beginning of our gospel community value says Jesus told his disciples in John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Think about that statement. The way that we love one another demonstrates who we follow. The way that we as a body love each other demonstrates who we follow. It gives a picture to outsiders, to others, of who our true king is. If we love genuinely, as Paul says here in Romans 12, they see Jesus. They see that we follow Jesus. If we love poorly, they see that we actually have the same king as they do, which is self. We've been deeply loved by God and adopted into His family. So let love be genuine. You guys, it is easy. It is easy to put on the appearance of love for two hours a week. It's easy to do that. That is not what this says. It says let Love be genuine. We have been deeply loved by God and adopted into His family, as Ephesians 1 tells us. Verses 3 through 6, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him, before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. In love. In love. Paul says, 
you are beloved by God. The fact that you are His, the fact that He did make you a chosen race, demonstrates that He loves you, deeply loves you. And our lives should reflect that, reflect that we're deeply loved and adopted into God's family. It should, it should affect the way that we interact with others, especially the body of Christ. As Christ loved us, we should reflect His love to one another. In our love, which is to be genuine, Paul says, abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. In love, protect righteousness. Protect what is good. Hold fast to that. It's a product of gospel community. Verse 10, he continues, love one another with brotherly affection. The picture there is the closest of relationship and love. Brotherly affection. Closeness. Outdo one another in showing honor. And, and this, is, this is connected to letting love be genuine. It's not just listening and hearing someone say, hey, I like your coat today. And you jumping in and I'm going to show more honor. Well, you're beautiful too. You know, it's not, it's not a fake honor. Paul's saying, let this be genuine. This is what Christ already made you to be. He did it. He's not lying to the Ephesians. You literally have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I'm telling you right now, you can live the best life that you can possibly live, and I promise you, you will gain no more status before the God in heaven from now until the day you die than you have from the second you were saved. You have it all. All. He's that good at saving. He's that good at what he does. You've already been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He promises you that. This is who you are already. This is what you've been made to be. Now be genuine in it. Live that. Let your love be genuine. Outdo one another in showing honor. That's the kind of sacrificial we love we mean in our value. We commit ourselves to engaging with one another with purposeful love that reflects the costly sacrificial love that God showed us when Jesus died for our sins. Now, Hopefully, you're already thinking and saying to yourself, wow, that's going to take some work. And I want to let you know, yep, it will. This is not easy. It's not easy to let people into your life. It's not easy to give yourself to other people. It goes on in verses 11 and following. Do not be slothful in zeal. In other words, be actually zealous in the things of the Lord and in gospel community. Be fervent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Be constant in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. It's a community text. So much of Scripture should be read through the lens of you all. You all do this. 
You all be this. Not simply as individuals reading it saying, well, what does this mean for me? But for us, so much of the New Testament is written to us. It's corporate language. And our value says we do so by joyfully serving one another, sharing our resources with one another as needs arise, actively using our spiritual gifts for the building up of the body, showing hospitality to one another as well as those outside the church and ultimately choosing to have the same humility of mind as Christ as described in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, considering others better than ourselves. Let love be genuine. He goes on, bless those who persecute you. Now, this is body language here, okay? This is speaking to the church, writing to the church. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. That's hard. That is hard. I'm going to be honest about that. That's really hard. I mean, if someone comes up and curses you, it's hard sibling, a kid, how much more so when it's just someone I go to church with? That's hard. But by the power of the Spirit and the gift that we've been given in Christ, let love be genuine in those moments. What does it look like to genuinely love someone who comes and curses you? To bless them. It goes on, rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. What does love look like when it's genuine? Someone gets something you've dreamed of for a long, long time. Rejoice with them. Rejoice. What does it look like when love is genuine and someone loses something, a job, a family member? You weep, you grieve, you hurt because you are members of one another. You feel that. When your arm is affected, you feel it. It affects the way you go through your day, not just your arm. Live in harmony with one another. Live in harmony with one another. He goes on. We're going to close our service today with this, but he goes on. Not right now. Don't get your hopes up. In, in chapter 15, may the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accord with Jesus Christ, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of your Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he means in chapter 12. That kind of harmony. Live in harmony with one another. Don't be haughty, but associate with the lowly. You are all members of one another. Never be wise in your own sight. Be willing to listen. Be willing to learn. 
be willing to grow from each other. I love that he says this right after associating with the lowly. I love it. There's purpose in that because we tend to think that we can't learn from those different than us or lower than us in our own opinions. Learn from them. Grow from them. Don't be haughty and don't be wise in your own sight. Repay no one evil for evil, but give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Man, that's hard. If possible, and that's important because there's times when it won't be, but if possible, so far as it depends on you, on your side of the story, live peaceably with all. Never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink, for by so doing you'll heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. You all do this. This is love. Jesus told his disciples in John 13, 35, By this all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. As people deeply loved by God and adopted into his family, we commit ourselves to engaging with one another with a purposeful love that reflects the costly, sacrificial love that God showed us when Jesus died for our sins. We do so by joyfully serving one another, sharing our resources with one another as needs arise, actively using our spiritual gifts for the building up of the body, showing hospitality to one another as well as those outside the church, and ultimately choosing to have the same humility of mind as Christ. As described in Philippians 2, 5-8, through 8, consider, considering others better than ourselves. You think about each of those statements. As you go through that, ask yourself, how can I fit into this community according to the measure of faith that God has apportioned to me? As people deeply loved by God and adopted into his family, we commit ourselves to engaging with one another with purposeful love that reflects the costly, sacrificial love that God showed us when Jesus died for our sins. Purposeful love means engaging with one another, and purposeful love is costly. How is it costly? It costs time. It costs money. It costs effort. It costs emotion. And it reflects Christ as it does. It's costly. Just like it was costly for Jesus to save us. In the book Total Church, the authors write this. We talk about applying the Bible to our lives. What would it mean to apply our lives to the Bible instead? Assuming the Bible to be the reality, the real story, to which we are called to conform our lives. 
it would look like this. It would look like Romans 12. It would look like Acts 2.42, the picture of the early church, where it says of them, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayers. They devoted themselves. The rest of our value, we do so by joyfully serving one another. Sharing resources with one another as needs arise. Actively using our spiritual gifts for the building up of the body. We are family, showing hospitality to one another as well as those outside the church. Ultimately, choosing to have the same humility of mind as Christ. So as, as elders, as we've worked and put these together, what, what, do, we, what do we dream of? What, as we consider this gospel community, what do, we, what do we dream the future state looking like here? There's a few things I want to um, share with you that we've discussed and we desire as elders and see here in our future if we commit ourselves to gospel community. We see gospel community resulting in everyone serving in a ministry because that's what God has called us to do. Serving one another, using the gifts that he's entrusted to us to steward within the body of Christ. So we see gospel community resulting in that. We remember God apportions faith differently and gives gifts, differing gifts to each member in the body. And the church is a better display of him and a better community when everyone is using their gift, when they're stewarding their gift. We see that as a benefit of this value. And so gospel community will look like that. All of us together, one another, serving in ministry. We see gospel community resulting in intentional hospitality ministry that welcomes, connects, and plugs in newcomers. And we know that this has been an area of weakness for us as a church. Some of you have visited in the last however long and decided to stay and would say, the welcoming hospitality aspect could grow. And that's okay. But we're purposefully planning and developing ministry to help us in that area because we see that as something that should be a part of gospel community. We see gospel community resulting in having a Cornerstone Community Outreach in Westerville that is purposeful. Ways that we, as a body, can love each other and serve outside of this room for this time. Now, as you hear those things, you may think, well, what does that mean for us? And I know when I say those types of things, it just raises questions. That's good. That's fine. I want to encourage you in that. I'm, I'm so grateful for the leaders God has blessed us with here. Wonderful leaders over ministries in this church. It's wonderful. It's a grace. And we're working together toward something together. And as we're nearing the end of this series, 
There's clarity that's being developed, and we're looking forward to sharing so many things at the end of this with you together that we can be a part of. Looking forward to sharing more as we launch our values together. And so stay with us through this and and hold on because it's going to be a joy. As we seek to be gospel community, Jesus told his disciples in John 13, 35, by this all people will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. Let it be, Lord. May we be a people who it is said of us, their love is genuine. Their love is true. Each week we celebrate the Lord's Supper and our community life together. Our community is celebrated and it's reinforced in the Lord's Supper. I think of the the Lord's Supper at times as, as rebar for the body of Christ. I think that because of what Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 10. We participate, which is the same word as community and fellowship in the New Testament. But in 1 Corinthians 10, he says we participate together in the body and blood of Christ. It is a corporate thing that unites us and is foundational for us. He writes this, 1 Corinthians 10, 16 and 17, the cup of blessing that we bless is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? Because there's one bread, we who are many are one body, for we all partake of the one bread. Each and every time that we come together and we end our services taking the Lord's Supper, each and every time that together as a community we take the bread, we are literally participating with Christ. Each and every time we take the cup, we are literally participating with Christ and He with us. It's a blessing. It's reinforcing It's celebratory. It is community and it is fellowship with Christ. And so as we take the bread and take the cup and we hold them together as we're singing, let's remember and let's praise him that the God of community has made community in us and in community has enabled us to be what he's called us to be by his spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness and grace. We need you, Lord. We need you. I'm humbled by this text. Humbled as I see in myself areas that need you to grow me. We praise you and thank you for the hope we have in it. We praise you that we are desperate for each other to grow, to walk in you to love the way that we're called to love, to serve the way that we're called to love. We're desperate for each other. And so, Father, as we talk about gospel community and seek to be a people of true gospel community, we pray for your help. Let love be genuine, Lord. May it be true of us in you for your name's sake. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.